Katherine Hepburn once said, and let's do it. As one goes through life, look at hair. One learns that if you don't paddle your own canoe, yes, I love it. you don't move. Let me give you that pose one more time. It's like that. You can't do this Yes. You can either allow the swallows of the valley to sweep you away, or ride the winds of wisdom to unexpected heights. Either way, destiny is within your touch. Can I play? Yes. You're a real princess. The evolution of ownership of our voices a must. So So keep going. Don't be Keep moving and give yourself a yes to blossom in any space. Changes the whole vibe. Throughout time and remain undefined. Well, welcome to episode three, season two of Undefined with Josina Anderson, that being yours truly. And we have a very special guest joining us, Carolina Panthers wide receiver, Robbie Anderson for our interview. And also we're going to be talking about the Browns in our insider report and do our broader scope with reporters and talent extraordinaires, uh, Daryl Ryder from 92.3, the fan covering the Cleveland Browns. And of course my Carolina Tar Heel, uh, Bucky Brooks, who covers the NFL for NFL Network, and also wrap up the show with my take on everything that has gone on with OBJ. So make sure you stay tuned. And here we go. So we are pleased to welcome in none other than Carolina Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson sharing the last name as none other than yours truly. Are, are we related? I know I do this every time. <laughs> me, my, me, my long lost cousin. My long lost cousin? Yeah. Am I going to get any of those long lost gifts I still haven't got for Christmas yet? <laughs> yeah, I'll put something together for you. You put something together for it? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I had to put together my cash app or something. I'm just kidding, people out there. All right, well, first of all, congratulations with the win over Arizona. So, you know, good stuff there. Appreciate it. Yes, yes. So I just want to, you know, obviously quickly go to one of the big headlines, you know, for your team and even entering that game. Tell us really quickly how you found out about the fact that Cam Newton was rejoining the team. Um, It was last Thursday. And a couple of people had said he was in the building. So, you know, we pretty much insinuated if he's in the building, it's got to be, obviously it's about business, but, you know, something's got to be, you know, stirring up. And then we were on the practice field and me and DJ was talking before practicing. I was like, yeah, they probably going to announce it when we at practice so everybody not, you know, talking about it before, before practicing it. He checked the uh, Apple Watch and it had came across and that's how we found out. 
Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, obviously, you know, that was live. It was definitely lit over Twitter, too. I'm just curious how you would describe, based on everything you know of Cam's history, especially uh, in the NFL with the Panthers before, and even just as a quarterback in the league, uh, in your own words, how would you describe uh, what you feel like his impact will be on the team and, you know, possibly, you know, as you guys uh, continue to try to make the postseason? Oh. Um... And very, very, very impactful, you know. And personally for me, you know, it's like a dream come true. Mm. And it was like kind of like, you know, it was bittersweet. Like when I signed here, that was the day he got released, you know what I'm saying? And ideally, like when every time I think about Carolina, you know, like I think of Cam. And that's somebody that, you know, I had looked up to and been motivated by since I was in high school, you know. So to me, like the whole time I've been here, I always ask DJ Curtis, you know, ask them about him and, you know, what it was like. So it's just, you know, it's really a blessing, but, you know, I just really think it was just, you know, meant to be for, you know, that to come about the way it did. Mm -hmm. And so even as just like a wide receiver, what's been the difference for you so far having to readjust? I mean, it was Teddy Bridgewater and you first came, had your, you know, career year with him as far as receiving yards. And then obviously Sam Darnold and and, and even now to camp for a little bit and PJ Walker. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's different, you know. Mm. But you know it is what it is, and you know I would say like with Cam, it's 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 um it's like it's a lot different because it's like it's like taking me under his wing. We're getting to know each other like on the fly, but I just feel like you know we have like a connection, you know, on a personal personal standpoint. And when you have that personal chemistry, that's gonna make the football that much easier, you know. And mm. you know I just you know it's a receiver dream to play with a great quarterback and somebody that has been to that level of where you're trying to go at, you know, so. And I mean, I'm even talking about as a wide receiver in terms of how the ball is coming at you versus how Sam comes at you with it, PJ and even Ted, like what, what adjustments are you making even on the field as a wide receiver, you know, with how it's coming at you? Well, I mean, honestly, this is the tallest quarterback I ever played with. <laughs> so the ball is coming like from way up here. So, Honestly, it's like it's a lot easier to see the ball, especially like with him oh. above the O line. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of quarterbacks I play with are sometimes the same height as the the O lineman, or have been shorter. So sometimes you don't even see their arm; you just see the once the ball releases, it just comes out of nowhere. So it's like with him, I'm seeing the ball like from a different angle. It's actually not hasn't been too too hard to adjust adjust to, and he has like a nice touch and anticipation with his throws. Okay. So, and then tell me, even you describe what you feel like you said, it's very impactful, but even just the energy, whether it's in practice or in the locker room, because even during the game, he was at the camera, had that very primal, I, I don't know if I should do the impersonation, but maybe I, I'm back. And it sounded very, <laughs> it sounded very primal. You know what I'm saying? Like it came from all the adversity and just the weight of having to get back to the league. I'm wondering what you thought about that when you saw that clip and what of that energy and how is it playing out behind the scenes in the building? No, nah, it, was, it was raw. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was hard. And, you know, just to like, it was, it was dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that was our first drive of the game, first touchdown. He knocked it in. And through the next one, and just you know, just his energy, his personality, his aura, you know what I'm saying? It it, it rubs off on everybody. You know, we kind of, I want to, I would say that we kind of was like, you know, kind of missing that, especially from the offensive side of things. Kind of was missing that, you know, that veteran leadership role. You know. Mm. 
So what do you think of, and last question on him before we move on to other things, but I'm just curious when you look at his journey, having left the team, you know, going to uh, the Patriots, then getting released in August, having to wait all of these months before coming back, you know, and everything that that entailed, especially when other teams out there needed quarterbacks as well. I'm curious when you observe that as a player in the league, whether it's him or anybody else, but specific to his journey, what, what do you think of that? Uh, you know, I salute him, you know, to see, I feel like he's come out of that situation better, you know? Mm. Sometimes a lot of people probably like might have just retired or, you know, gave up or gave in the towel. I feel like he really grew as a person, like from what I'm hearing, from what he's saying, you know, and I think that it made him stronger in all aspects. So, you know, I salute him and, you know, everything works itself out how it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, you're coming off, you know, getting a contract extension to your twenty nine point five million and obviously coming off your career year in receptions last year as well. And I am just curious, you know, to date how you feel about your production at this point, you know, with the twenty three two forty three based on what you know, Robbie, is your skill set capability at its max. Yeah, you know, I mean, straight up, you know, I was frustrated more so the fact we had one on a losing streak. And then on top of us losing, I wasn't producing or honestly didn't really feel too involved, you know. So that was what more so was frustrating. You know, the first three games, you know, my targets was kind of low and production was lower than, you know, my track record and obviously what we all know, my capabilities. And then on top of that, they hit a losing streak and not to be really producing and connecting and all those things. I, I was frustrated, you know, It was, but I honestly feel like it was a test of faith. You know, I feel like this year alone, I really grown a lot with my relationship with God. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, in my faith, I just think it was just a test, you know, and I just feel like sometimes like my coach, he had taught us this thing that like, I really, I felt like it connected with me. It's, I guess it's called the J theory. And mm-hmm. it's like, when you go through adjustments and new things, it's like the letter J, like you start here, you go down. And some people turn back and they go back to their old ways or they grow, but they got to go all the way down to get all the way back up. But then it's, you know, everlasting from there. So, you know, I just personally feel like, you know, it was just a test and and just had to grind through it and just focus on the, on the basic things and just let everything, all the little things, take care of the little things and not to take care of everything else. Well, I like the name of that theory since it starts off with the first name of my uh, first letter of my name, Josina. So I'll definitely be remembering that. But speaking of that, uh, what's been the talk, you know, between you and your coaches, Matt Rule, as far as, you know, getting you more integrated into the offense? Uh, I think, you know, they definitely want 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 that to be the case. And last week, you know, I, I got got my feel like I got my feedback wet a little bit. I had a touchdown early on capitalized on my targets that I was given and just making the most of my opportunities, but also, you know, just doing what doesn't really get noticed by a receiver and that's blocking, you know, that we see that obviously on film, but on TV, but, you know, just really putting an emphasis on blocking. Cause you know, my, my, my main goal and vision is for us to get to Super Bowl. And I knew early mm-hmm. on things wasn't going how I wanted to, but you know, it's a long season. So I know my time going to come and just, you know, being prepared, being ready and just, finding more ways to work harder to get the results that I want from an overall Mm -hmm. standpoint. 
Well, you mentioned Cam Newton, you feel like is bringing something that you guys were missing. But obviously, before that, you guys had Sam Darnold. You did start off 3-0 and with him. Uh, he had six touchdowns, one interception in that span. But over that four-game losing streak that you mentioned, uh, seven interceptions to six touchdowns. You did have a previous relationship, obviously, with Sam Darnold in the Jets. So I'm curious, from your vantage point, uh, how has Darnold been taking the fact that, you know, injuries uh, ended his, uh, you know, season so far, at least with the, uh, the Panthers and just overall with the looks of it you know with cam taking uh over a starter right now how, how is he handling it from your vantage point your relationship uh honestly i'm not i'm, I'm not really too sure to be honest mm. you know that's not really a conversation i feel like is my place in a conversation mm. that has been held so honestly i can't really speak on that to be honest mm-hmm. i don't want to count mm-hmm so moving on really quickly, you know, Christian McCaffrey, um, obviously back for the last two games, um, he had um, over 100 yards from scrimmage as well. What do you think is the impact with him in the offense versus out based on the fact that you guys were obviously able to get the win with him back in as well? Well, I think it's a huge impact, you know, having him out there. You know, he's one of our best players on our team and just the the, the energy, the impact and the explosiveness, the opportunities and all the things that he's able to contribute to helping know he's a soldier you know what i'm saying he's frontline soldier so you know having him out there's always an advantage mm-hmm. and and even really quickly because i know you didn't say too much about uh sam and I'll, and I'll and i'll get off that real quick but i just want to to know even as a former teammate of his do you feel like he has the opportunity to reemerge from everything that is going on with him right now um i mean i will hold so you know that like a lot of times as as men in life and and human beings you know that true test is controversy and adversity so you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and speaking of adversity last couple of questions here um and and i obviously want to get to the matchup that you guys are having with the Par- the carolina panthers versus their former head coach though i know he wasn't yours um I, even as a wide receiver i know you see in the news with odell beckham jr uh deshaun jackson and how they've changed teams and you know wide receivers like yourself that ha- have a high level skill set what do you think is the importance of the elite wide receiver in the way that they're getting integrated into offenses right now, based on what you see, even with them yourself or just elite wide receivers in general and how they're getting used. Um, to be honest, you know, I feel like wide receiver, like it's kind of one of the toughest positions in football because you not only you, you, you depend on five, potentially six people, four people to block, you know, play call, quarterback, sometimes the coverage. So, you know, as a receiver, I think a lot of times people take it as a receiver's mad that they're not getting the ball, where D buzz, things like that. It's just sometimes, mm. I think, especially speaking for myself, you know, and speaking for people that I'm close to and I know, we know our capabilities, we know our ability, you know what I'm saying? And we want to be involved. So it's like as a receiver, it's just like a, a, a shooter in basketball, their job is to shoot. They sit on the bench, and then they come off the bench, and they want them to hit a game winner. They ain't got no flow, no rhythm. Like, yeah, they could do it, but it's different. Like, you know, receivers, we got to get that flow, get that, you know, that feel for the game. And, you know, sometimes just as a receiver, like, you want to be involved. You know your capabilities. You know you could take over the game, and you want to impact. So I think a lot of times people think it's a selfish standpoint. People deep, but they just want the ball so they could shine. And I think that that's something that just gets misunderstood going back from T.O., you know? Mm. people always called him a diva but this dude played on a broken ankle a broken ankle in the Super Bowl you know what I'm saying 
that wasn't for no personal nothing. You know what I'm saying? He he I think then he like signed like an agreement that if something happens to him, he's 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 um liable for his injury. Like mm-hmm. ain't nobody that's a diva or selfish gonna take that chance of they help, you know what I'm saying, and long term of their career. So, you know, receivers, it's a tough position, you know, especially when you're not getting feel like you're getting the opportunity to be elite, especially a lot of times too, I think people don't understand how much time and work goes on behind the scenes and how much sacrifice and passion. And then this game is not gonna last forever. You know, especially as a receiver, like with your 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 go-to, you get a little bit older, that can go away. So you want to be your best when you feel like you're in your prime, you know. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. And speaking of, you know, your prime, people are going to be looking for prime performances this Sunday as the Carolina Panthers in this last question go up against the Washington football team, obviously uh, led off by head coach Ron Rivera, who used to be there with the franchise for a long time. I know he was not your coach when you first came there, but a lot of energy and raw motion around this game, especially now that you are a community member of the Carolina faithful there in that state. So based on what you're seeing can you describe the energy that you may be hearing on the radio that you're seeing in the community that you're seeing in the building in preparation for this game well i mean honestly i think the elephant in the room is cans return back home so mm. i think everybody's excited like you know the whole city's excited to see that so and then on top of rivera but it's gonna be lit <laughs> well, you can't put it any more succinctly and perfectly than saying it's going to be lit. And you know I appreciate you coming in here with the, the hair and the attire and all that. You've been on crew carpet a couple times on my show as we put, you know, how the players shine on, you know, with the pregame outfits and everything. So, Robbie, my last name, namesake, I appreciate you joining us here on the interview with Undefined with Josina Anderson. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right, time now for the NFL Insider Report on the Browns, obviously coming off of a disappointing loss against the Patriots, 45-7. to Not what they were looking for after having such a dominant win over the division opponent, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Dearness Johnson being their pretty much lone bright spot on offense, 99 yards rushing, 58 receiving in place of Nick Chubb, who was out on COVID, and obviously Kareem Hunt being on IR uh, with the calf injury. But clearly, uh, from a passing standpoint, not what they were looking for. Matter of fact, a league source telling me that the, quote, inconsistent play of Baker Mayfield was the talk uh, internally, not just him, but it was definitely, uh, you know, uh, among the topics that were being discussed uh, in their meetings Monday and throughout the building. Now, clearly, Baker deserves a lot of credit, uh, especially in that big performance that he had against the Bengals. Uh, season high passer rating of 132.6 no turnovers made a huge statement particularly when he had to and that deserves to be applauded but then you have the valley of coming down to the season low passer rating of 56.3 and uh, passing for just 73 yards uh, and the passing game just having 118 which is definitely their fewest on the season a team source telling me quote Uh, Mayfield, uh, just speaking about him, not that he was the only one, but this is what they said about him, uh, played poorly, misreads, working the wrong side of the field and sometimes not starting his reads right when he did work the right side of the field based on coverage. So that is what I was hearing. And that is particularly illuminating when you're looking at the conversation that was happening around OBJ's departure um, and obviously the disconnection between the quarterback and 
uh, OBJ, who did have his share of drops at times and obviously didn't catch everything that was coming towards him. And even to Baker's credit, sometimes he uh, OBJ was the primary read and Baker did not go to him, but did complete passes to other people. I remember specifically even that pass to uh, uh, David Njoku, which I believe he scored on. I think that was in the Chargers game as well. But nonetheless, that's what I'm trying to illuminate. However, the team source did say, you know, it has been the same thing with Baker up and down with these up and down performance. And the idea in some of these reports that it was based on OBJ freelancing and pinning on that solely or not uh, being where he was supposed to be is just not the case. Obviously, this team source also talking about open is just open. Um, but we're also not going to dismiss the fact that Baker himself has been dealing with injuries, the knee contusion, the shoulder and what have you. But, you know, I was told that in meetings, it was, con you know, conveyed that we, this has to be tightened up, I'm not going to get into anything else, particularly in that meeting or what have you. Um, but the message has been delivered. And I think they're trying to set the tone, particularly in the departure of OBJ. But I do want to say, you know, Baker does deserve credit for the fact that the team was one and 31 before he got there and what he's done through this transition. It remains to be seen, you know, what will be the case in terms of um, how he's able to lead the team this year in response to everything, um, especially since the extension has not been done. Um, and he's just on the option getting, uh, activated for the the fifth year next season so we'll see how it takes place but to broaden this discussion let's bring in a two of some of my favorite uh reporters and tv talents right now So time now to welcome in Daryl Ryder of 92.3. The fan covers the Cleveland Browns and you know him Bucky Brooks from NFL Network covering the entire league. Guys, how are you doing? <laughs> so good. So good. You seen it. Listen, you know, I have to bring you in for all of the conversation on the Cleveland Browns. Daryl coming off of a 45 to seven loss to the Patriots after the big dominant win against the Bengals. 41 to 16, where everybody was talking about Baker Mayfield and all of these things and how the team performed in the subsequent absence of OBJ. Then to follow that up with uh, his worst passer rating of the season, their fewest passing yards of the season at 118, herky jerky. What is the mood right now after all of that in Cleveland? Well, they're the NFL's ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team. One minute they look like the contender, and then the following week they look like they should be preparing for April's draft. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield's dealing with a ton of injuries right now, but if you're out there, you've got to perform. Uh, he's got two knee injuries, a foot injury, and a torn labrum in his left shoulder that he's trying to play through. The problem is, though, He's been inconsistent with his play. So the mood in Cleveland is basically they have to refocus. They've got the winless Lions coming to town this week. And if they're not focused, if they're not uh, dialed in, uh, the Lions will be winless no more when they leave Cleveland. So uh, mm. the season's certainly hanging in the balance for the Browns at five and five. Bucky, what is your impression of how Baker Mayfield has been playing and how his performance has been portrayed in the media relative to all of the drama that just happened with seemingly a lot of blame going to OBJ. 
Yeah, and no, I think it's an interesting deal because we have to remember Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. And when you're the number one overall pick, you don't come into the league as an underdog. You come into the league expected to play as a franchise player, expected to reverse the fortunes of the franchise. Now, to his credit, he has certainly played well at times. And with Kevin Stefanski coming in, the Cleveland Browns went to the playoffs. Uh, he had a big part in that in terms of being able to manage the offense and make some plays. But the issue that you have with the Browns and Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield is about to come up on the point of his contract where they can make the extension and they have to figure out where he kind of falls in the pecking order when it comes to either giving him that extension where they pick up the fifth year option and naturally the extension comes after that. Or do they play the game that others have played with Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins respectively where they kind of string this along until they can find someone who is either either an upgrade at the position or can, they can reach that happy medium where they agree to a contract that allows them to uh, continue to have the all-star pieces that they have around him while not overpaying him for what he's going to do for the team. And that's why this stretch of games is critical for him because I think everyone is trying to figure out what exactly is Baker Mayfield as a franchise quarterback in which tier should we slot him in? Because based on what tier he falls, that's where the conversation should fall. But, Daryl, now we have Jarvis Landry speaking up. He did his Thanksgiving drive the other day. I saw the Cleveland media all over it, um, and he made a couple of comments. And just to give them you know, full context, uh, he said, as playmakers, when the ball's in the air, we're doing our best in understanding and knowing that it's a situation where he's got to get healthy. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, uh, but he's also said, but we're still out here making plays for each other. And uh, he is always giving his best. That's all you can ask for. But at the same time, he also said at the end of the day, I've been able to do with the opportunities I'm giving you. I'm battling through some things on Sunday. I've always given everything that I have and that won't ever change. And that was after, you know, basically saying that he doesn't know necessarily why he hasn't been uh, thrown the ball as much as well. So what's that all about? He's got 34 targets, the same as OBJ had in a total of six games. And right now um, they have uh, the 134 uh, targets that they have to wide receivers is second to last in the NFL. Yeah, this passing game is hard to figure out. Uh, Jarvis Landry has been Mr. Reliable. I'll I'll throw another name out there, Rashard Higgins. Uh, I mm. contend they need to use him more because mm. every time they seem to throw Rashard the ball, he makes a play. Mm. What's interesting about the Landry situation is here we are going into week 11. He's yet to score a touchdown, mm. which seems unfathomable. Then again, Baker Mayfield's not throwing a lot of touchdown passes this season. Their, their leading touchdown scorer, of course, is uh, Nick Chubb with six. Kareem Hunt's number two on the team with five. Um, so it, it's it's frustrating when you look at the, the numbers and then you watch. Um, now, Landry has been playing through a couple of knee injuries. He missed uh, some games because of a sprained MCL, comes back against the, the Denver Broncos on that Thursday night, suffers another knee injury. Uh, and so he's been limited with that. But the bottom line is the production from that wide receiver group is not nearly where it should be considering the talent that they exactly. allegedly supposedly have at the position. Your tight ends and your running backs should not be in front of uh, this group of receivers as far as yardage and catches and, and things like that. It's been a big disappointment to see how this uh, receiver group has performed. 
But how are you taking the first part of the comment when he says, I haven't been getting the ball so much either. And when asked, uh, you know, why that's happening, he says, I don't know. So, Bucky, how are you how are you taking that? What, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, I think naturally as a wide receiver, you have to have the ball to be able to have an impact and you have to have <laughs> enough targets to be able to um, do what you do on the perimeter. And I think this was the challenge not only with Odell Beckham Jr. prior to his dismissal, but also with Jarvis and Jarvis and those guys. I felt like OBJ and Jarvis prior to the video coming out. I thought those guys had been good soldiers when it came to not necessarily saying anything about not getting the touches because the team was successful a season ago they were trying to get on the right track and there's a system and a blueprint for how this team has to win and that is going through the running backs and the offensive line rather than the perimeter players on the outside but when you have marquee players guys who've been pro bowl players in other situations who then come to cleveland yes they want to be a part of winning but they want to be part of the reason why the team wins it's hard and as the team continues to lose or they have these up and down performances you're going to hear more of the wide receivers talking about not being involved. And some of that is just a natural part of Kevin Stefanski's offense and the way the offense goes. But some of it also goes back to Baker Mayfield and how he is at his best in terms of throwing it to the tight ends and the running backs. And that's the rub. You have a lot of it, money invested in the playmakers on the outside, but those playmakers aren't necessarily the wide receivers. They're near the tight ends, and that's problematic. So let me share a couple of things, you know, that I've heard. Right. So on one hand, you hear, especially when Odell was there, that uh, even when Odell was the primary read, that the ball wasn't going to him, Baker wasn't getting there. But to Baker's credit at times, and I think it was uh, like, for example, I think it was a Chargers game like. You know, he he goes to David Njoku, but David Njoku still scores, you know, a long touchdown. So, you know, you hear that, okay, well, maybe it didn't look for Odell, but it still made a completion or even still scored. Or other times he's just open and not getting the ball. But then I also heard out there in the social media hemisphere, oh, well, it's a rhythm and timing offense. And, you know, he was freelancing and things like that or what have you. But I'm coming back to... Yes, you know, the dominant performance and Baker Mayfield deserves all the credit for that. He had a career high 132.6 passer rating, but we come back down to the 56.3 passer rating that he had this past, which is also his worst of, you know, the season as well. And then there's no OBJ. So, 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 so now, so now what is it? So now what is it, Daryl? Well, this, this obviously the issues with the offense were not an OBJ problem. You know, it, it it clearly this was the problems that they were having that ultimately has led to them losing four of their last six games was not because of Odell. It is something problematic just within the offense in general. Again, whether it's Baker's hurting them by playing hurt or the rhythm and timing isn't there. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't buy the freelance nonsense. Yeah. OK. Odell's going to freelance. A lot of offenses in the NFL do a lot of freelancing with their wide receivers. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes has no problem finding guys open and, and getting them the football. Uh, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. The elite quarterbacks find ways to get their guys the football. And we just for whatever reason, and again, I do think injuries are a part of it, and I'm not making excuses for Baker. In fact, I think the Browns are better off sitting Baker this week against the Lions to mm. let him get as healthy as possible. Look, if Case Keenum can't beat the Lions, then pack up your bags and go home for the winter. Like, mm. they, they should win with Case Keenum this week. You've got the Ravens back-to-back. -back. You have an opportunity to give Baker two of three weeks off to mm. rest 
these multitude of injuries here. I think it's foolish masculinity to trot him out there this week. The guy mm. struggled walking to the podium today to talk to us. You could see the pain in his face, and I'm not making light of that. It's just a fact. It makes no sense to put Baker out there this week. But based mm -hmm. on what Kevin said, based on what Baker said today, they're going to trot him out there against a winless football team and, and put him once again in harm's way. I don't get it, but I think Baker playing hurt mm -hmm. right now is hurting this offense, the timing. The touch, but is it just that he's hurt though? Is it? And I want you to clarify for yourself: is is he hurting the offense because he's hurt, or because of where he is in the arc of his career and the evolution of his skill set right now? That's the rub right now. It, it's it's hard to make that determination. I, I I know what he's dealing with, and I know how difficult that is, and I think it'd be unfair for me not to acknowledge. Of course, you have to acknowledge the injuries, just like but, with any player. Of course. But, Again, you go back to if you're on the field, you have to perform and you have to perform at a high level. And unfortunately, Baker has not done that consistently enough while he's played with these injuries. So, Bucky, he was talking about, you know, doesn't he's not buying the fact the whole OBJ freelancing thing. Bucky is open, open. If you're open is open, open. Yeah, I'm open is asking. open. No, I'm open is asking. open, but okay. their offense is one that is very structured in terms of mm -hmm. how they get the ball to the wide receivers. And the problem that you really have with OBJ and with Jarvis, mm -hmm. both of those guys are used to having liberties within the route, meaning that they can put some extra sauce on the route. They can take stutters and extra stems to get to it because they played in offenses that allowed them to do that when they were in Miami, Jarvis Landry, and then when Odell was in New York, they had some freedom and flexibility to be able to do some different things. Kevin Savansky wants to run it really off the script. I would say that, look, for, Baker is what Baker is. I think Baker is a mid to lower level starter in the league. You can win mm. games with him, but you mid don't win Mid to lower level, Bucky. Mid to lower mid, level? Mid to lower level. That's what I would mm. Mid to lower. Because, mm. because I think it's this. You can win with him. I think it's been proven that you can win with him, but you're not mm -hmm. necessarily winning because of him. And when they get the game in mm -hmm. a certain fashion, I think they can win games. Whatever you think about what Jared Goff was in L.A., I think the comp is very comparable to what Baker Mayfield is in Cleveland. When the game goes to a drop-back game, that's when he loses some of his effectiveness because he's not necessarily an elite quarterback. But if you can stay within the offense, run, and do those things, he can do very, very well and perform very well. I think the onus is on Kevin Stefanski when it comes to the receivers. The best coaches have a little spot on their sheet where it says, get the ball to X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. He has to make sure that he keeps Jarvis Landry and some of those other guys engaged by mm -hmm. scripting up enough plays to keep them with a catch or two each quarter. So when you need them in the fourth quarter, they're ready and available and they're in rhythm. So, Daryl, I want you, and we're last two, three questions here, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, Daryl, I wanted to ask you about Miles Garrett's comments, okay? Uh, where he was saying that he didn't feel like they made the adjustments or what have you. I see, you know, obviously, you know, fans, they follow me on Twitter. I see things, you know, being written or what have you. Is is this, and it is, when you look at Jarvis' comments in a whole, which were at a Thanksgiving drive, and, and he was also complimentary and understanding of Baker Mayfield too within those comments, I want to point out. And you look at, you know, though, what Miles Garrett just said, what, what are, what, um, is the what are the puzzle pieces that you're seeing here? What picture are they reflecting? There are cracks in the foundation. And if they're not careful, this season will go off the rails very, very quickly. Um, 
Miles has the resume to be allowed to say what he said. Whether you agree with the platform and the manner in which he delivered the message, that's a different conversation. But the fact of the matter is, when he comes out and he says that they did not make any adjustments against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, that is, that's just alarm bells going off. And then John Johnson, uh, former L.A. Ram who came over to the Browns as a free agent, uh, this offseason then comes out and says, yo, yeah, we got beat on stuff. We've been getting beat like a drum on uh, the entire season. Again, alarm bells start sounding because these are things that should be corrected. We should not be in week 10 where stuff that was not going well early in the season is still not going well. Like you have to correct those things. So whether the intent was to take direct aim at defensive coordinator Joe Woods or not, that's what's happened here. And Joe Woods has come under uh, a lot of criticism locally uh, because of his defensive unit. All these new faces, all the money that Andrew Barry spent this offseason to rebuild the defense from front to back, whether it was through free agency or the draft, they added six new starters to this unit. And while statistically you can make an argument they're better, on the scoreboard they're not better. And when you watch the film, they don't look much better than they were uh, a year ago. And I think that it's difficult for me to sit here and just blame Joe Woods because I'm not in the meeting rooms. I don't know what coverages are being called or what schemes he's drawn up, but there are clearly problems fundamentally inside that locker room with the coaching staff. And uh, the fact that it's starting to seep out is, is pretty concerning to me. So Bucky, the NFL, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns have picked up Baker Mayfield's uh, option. Obviously, he's looking for his long money. He's looking for his long bag. At this point, at what you have seen, with what you have seen, rather, do you feel like uh, Mr. Barry, the uh, Browns or what have you, should give Baker Mayfield uh, a, a top-level extension or an extension period? No, I don't think he can give him that Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, what Lamar Jackson is going to get. I don't think you can get into the $40 million category with Baker Mayfield because once you pay him that amount of money, it then prevents you from being able to pay the others. And mm. when you move and welcome someone into the $40 million club, mm -hmm. you then go from, hey, man, we need the rest of the team to support you to you need to be able to carry the rest of the team. So no mm. matter what receivers we have on the perimeter, you need to make those guys better. We're not going to spend exorbitant amounts of money to bring guys in. You have to elevate the level of performance for everybody around. And if you don't feel like Baker is that, you can't pay him that kind of money because not only do you upset the apple cart in the salary cap structure, you mess mm. up how the locker room feels because mm. if he walks around as a $40 million man walking past Miles Garrett and some of those mm. other guys and they look at him on the field and they know he's not that, you now begin to affect the chemistry and the continuity that you have within the locker room. So it's really important for Andrew Barry and those guys to hold firm and make sure they kind of pay him at a compensation level that kind of fits how he plays and how he performs at a quarterback. Well, as I said in the NFL Insider Report preceding this segment, you know, I, I heard that the topic of Baker Mayfield's inconsistent play um, was brought up a lot in that meeting, you know, on Monday and also in, you know, the building as well. And, um, you know, there was some there were some moments happening inside there, but it was getting discussed. So I know that there is a, you know, a, a, an attempt to, you know, convey the message that it needs to get corrected. At the same time, Baker Mayfield deserves credit 
in terms of what he has been able to do as far as the turnaround of this team. They were one in 31 before he came. So he has participated in that transition. You know, the question is, you know, whether he is the quarterback for the next level of what the Browns are trying to ascend to. But for Daryl Ryder and uh, Bucky Brooks, I definitely appreciate you joining us for this segment, The Broader Scope. And um, we will see you around. You guys gonna say thank you? <laughs> I didn't know how you want us to rap. I was just like, all right, we're just gonna we're just gonna pause with a happy face. And finally, now JoJo's take on everything. OBJ. Obviously a big week for Odell Beckham Jr., which culminated in him selecting and arriving uh, to the LA Rams, uh, obviously, uh, and also playing on Monday Night Football, suffering that loss no less against the 49ers 31-10 that they were not hoping for, and OBJ having two receptions for 18 yards. But just on three targets, obviously not the full slate of plays that he will get once he's fully acclimated, but nonetheless, uh, not the result that they were looking for. But I was still pleased to see uh, that I could tell after the game he was taking everything in stride with the way that he interacted Um you know, with the opposing team after the loss, which, you know, he always does, but even particularly just because everyone was looking and all the stuff that was going on, I was pleased to see that. And, and even more so to hear from him, uh, you know, that he, that he gets it, you know, that it's just the beginning. Um, it is uh, some adversity, but eager to get back in the gym, as he told me, and also explaining uh, the faith that he has and the confidence that he has in his decision in the coach and the team, his teammates, the city from a football perspective and everything that he has going on personally. Obviously not sharing the entirety of the conversation, but I think, you know, from a football standpoint, that is important to get across and share. And then lastly, too, despite the report that, you know, people in this camp didn't get back to, you know, certain people and teams and whoever that was involved in uh, some of the other um you know, teams that he was looking at for his free agency search, you know, he did tell me that he did connect with the coaches that were involved. So that, you know, puts an end to that right there. But I do think at the end of the day, there's still a lot of time for the Rams to turn this around. They have a lot of talent on offense and defense is going to take a lot to readjust to Robert Woods's absence, especially on the fly and how he was as a blocking wide receiver as well. And on defense needing to figure out the middle of that line, particularly against the run and being uh, willing to get um, even more against the trenches as teams are going to come after them uh, just for the standpoint of them being good and just, you know, the attention even more so now with the addition of talent. But I still think that it's possible, but obviously it remains to be seen. So that is it. Another episode of Undefined with Josina Anderson. We appreciate you joining us every Wednesday. <laughs>